Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. We've done all the books. And now we're diving into the TV show. Join us every Tuesday for a new mission. And don't worry, we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. I know things. I know stuff. And one of the things that I know is Chris Grine has our number. (gasps) We gave it to him. We did, and we spoke to him over the phone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, we did. And it was... A delightful time. It was the most delightful time. He's so nice. And he cares deeply about the Animorphs fandom and about making them proud and happy and engaging with the fans. Like, that is like my biggest takeaway. It's like, I have left Twitter because I fear people and I'm afraid to look at comments on my work because I have fear. But he's just, like, so nice that he talks to people and answers questions. And I'm like, I should be more like that. Sorry, that's my soapbox. That's a, I like your soapbox. Um, you make yourself pretty available to people, though. So I, I wouldn't be disparaging your, yourself this much because you're, you're pretty available 24-7 for anything. For you. For, for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I had, like... A lot of big t- takeaways, but for sure, actually, like being there and being into the fandom, and that's like, it just blows my mind. That's so sweet and so nice. He fits in perfectly with our weird little cult. I know. Aw, I'm so glad he joined us. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> Welcome you to the You can never cult. leave. <laughs> oh, no. The Hotel California oh, no. fandoms. <laughs> <laughs> But he was right, though, because he talks about how, like, the Animorphs fandom is really cool and it's not like other fandoms that are really scary and toxic and bad. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of true. Like, this is the nicest fandom I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I mean, I I won't harp on it because I got on my little soapbox on the on air. But yeah, this is absolutely the nicest fandom. I mean... Dear God, how many people do we have now that we talk to on a daily basis that are just the sweetest, nicest people ever? All of them. All of them. There's only one person that's on watch. I'm kidding. No one's on watch. (laughs) You know who you are. You know who you are. That's right. We're talking to you. You listening right now. You're on watch. (laughs) Oh, dear. This is not the... Why does this always happen? Whenever we fucking record an intro for an interview, we go to this weird space where we just start (laughs) threatening people. (laughs) Are we? Are we like some? We're subconsciously trying to create a contrast between us as people and the person we're interviewing. We're making the interviewee look better by creating this weird semi-threatening aura within ourselves that would make sense if we ever interviewed an asshole but we interview the nicest fucking people on the planet i mean chris grine boris cabrera nicest people ever well shall we 
let them listen to Chris Grine. Please. A little bit of us, but mostly Chris Grine. Please. In fact, I'm cutting us out entirely and only Chris Grine. That means you're going to have to guess what the questions are. Doesn't matter to me. (laughs) It's, It's a game. It's a game where you just, you hear his answer. No questions. We never tell you what it is. There's no way to win. Good luck. Oh, no. May the odds be ever in your favor. Oh, I'm happy oh, yeah. to be here. Yeah, I, I love, I love the the animorphs, just kind of fandom. I guess you'd call it that. I just everybody is just so welcoming and inviting and excited and all that good stuff, you know. So I'm I'm trying to anybody who basically wants me on their animorphs podcast, I'm trying to go do it because it's it's as much fun for me as it is for everybody else. Because I mean, I I'm you know living this stuff 24 hours a day lately and i my my wife's just like i don't care anymore you know (laughs) she doesn't want to hear about you know viscera three and this this and that and yurks and stuff and i think it's so it's really nice to be able to just kind of geek out with people who are also really into it that um that sounds incredibly familiar we actually have a, a discord server for our podcast and we have a couple people on there that keep saying like Oh yeah, I've tried to talk to my partner about this and they just don't care. So I like coming over here and hanging out with you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing that. to me how many people are like, I never knew anybody who knew anything about Animorphs. So that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, we are we are extra excited to have you with us because Alex and I are both artists. We both went to art school and we're going to get to talk to another artist. So hopefully we can just kind of like talk shop a little bit. Absolutely. Whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm totally down for it. Whatever. Sweet. So I guess like to open, like congratulations on your Animorphs debut. Um, Obviously this isn't your first like book release, but it's your first Animorphs book. And so congrats on that. Thank you. What has it been like so far? Like what's kind of been the word on the street sort of reception that you've been getting about the book? Well, so far it's been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, I think people are <laughs> just very excited, like you said, to have something new after, you know, 20 some years. The no pressure, no pressure on me for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's been really fun. I expect, you know, down the road a couple of months when the newness is maybe worn off, then people will, you know, maybe start being a little bit more critical of it in a good way. I don't mean like a negative way, but, you know, like just kind of really digging in. I think right now everybody's in the honeymoon phase of kind of having some new Animorph stuff, myself included. And uh, and it's just been really, really fun. I've just loved it. And I've tried really, really hard to, if anybody's got questions on Twitter or any kind of social media, I try to address it as much as I can or, or at least like, you know, people are sending me, you know, such nice comments and stuff. They're so excited to have gotten the books or, or whatever. And it's just, it's been really exciting. Now, one thing I am not doing is reading reviews. I'm just not going to do that because Mm. I I don't think there's anything, there's anything that I'm going to gain from that except for, you know, being, uh, you know, having my feelings hurt completely on accident or something, you know, or I don't know. I guess it's like, you know, when you do art for so long, you know, if you guys went to art school, you know, I mean, you just, my God, the hours you spend doing something, you know, and then. Uh-huh. you know it doesn't take much for somebody to go eh, why'd you do why'd you make that green and then you're like why did i make that green <laughs> well, that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about like so i'm just you know i'm involved with everything but reviews as much as i can be okay 
That's, yeah, that's uh, just, that spoke to me on a deep level. Why did you make that green? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't change it now. Right, right. It's way too Far late. Far too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, um, Alex and I actually did a uh, a podcast a few days ago, a podcast episode where we like went through the graphic novel and we were just like flipping through pages and being like, oh, I love this panel and oh, I like this decision, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I think I speak for both of us when we say that we really loved the graphic novel. We loved the decisions you made, and it just came out so well, and the alien designs are insane, and thumbs up for me, at least, if that's any consolation. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've seen a couple people, uh, they, they've, there's been lots of comments on how thick, apparently, I made uh, Mr. 3 and uh, one of the panels in particular. But I think the image that people keep using is slightly warped because it looks like somebody took a photo of their book. So it's like uh, his butt is a lot closer to like where the camera was, you know. And also, mm -hmm. I have his legs spread apart a little bit in the back, just kind of kind of like a, as a, a the way he's standing. And it just yeah, it looks like he's huge. And I'm looking at that now, and I'm thinking, you know, it goes right back to that green thing. Like, why did I make it? Why did I make him so thick in that one panel? So. <laughs> Uh, you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think I think we're a little bit guilty of making that comment too, but like not in a bad way. We were just like, oh, dang. No. no, I never I didn't really take that one personally at all. I just looked at him and <laughs> dang, I did draw a big butt on that guy. Dang. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. That's you know, that's that's on me, so that's forever <laughs> in print now. <laughs> uh yeah, that's I mean yeah, don't even, don't even fret about that. Um, when I flip through the book now, um, all I see is mistakes, you know, which is kind of how I was through college too. And anytime you have any mm -hmm. art, but a graphic novel in particular for me, because you spend like almost a year, you know, we're a better part of a year on some aspect of it, working on it. And you, and I'm just churning out so many pages and everything. Sometimes I just don't see something. Until it's mm -hmm. printed, you know, and it's just too late now. So, <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm happy everybody's excited about the book, but I'm not looking through it very much. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably like done with it now. You're like, okay, well, time to move on to the next. Thing, yeah, right? I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm like halfway. I'm halfway done inking the second book now. So, Ooh. man, this is ancient history for you then. Kind of is because I'll be done with the second book by the by the end of the year. Oh my gosh, that's Same. so awesome! Uh, yeah, we've been we've been seeing little snippets that you've been posting on on social media. Yeah, I've been tr I try that. to post stuff when I can. I try to take little pictures and stuff as I go. I'm trying not to spoil anything for anybody who maybe hasn't read it or maybe doesn't remember it. But mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I just try to a little <laughs> steady stream of stuff. I was like, I saw those coming out and I was like, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> so I was kind of curious about that. Well, I've never been told not to, but I'm, I try okay. to, I try to, you know, I don't overdo it. Like I try, I don't show like, here's 20 pages, you know, yeah. or it's usually like just a panel that I like, or sometimes it's just some, like, I think today I posted a, the better part of a page, but you know, it's not like, it's just like a, a photo with my phone off my off my computer screen so i feel like it's not really high res and people can't really do much with it anyway so mm -hmm. 
And it there keeps the excitement know. going. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I'm just showing everybody like what I'm doing today. And, and that's kind of fun too, because it seems like no matter how obscure the panel is that I post, like on Twitter or Instagram, a very large amount of people know exactly which scene that is and exactly what's being said. And it's just crazy to me after this long I that mean, people have it memorized like that. And you're doing your job right, you know? I hope so. <laughs> It's not all on the fans. That's because it's there's so many things that you post that like to you it may be a little detail, but like it's just so obvious what you're going for. And that's such <laughs> that's what is such an awesome part of the first graphic novel too, is like it nothing that you did were like, Well, that's not really how we envisioned it. It seems like the mass collect the hive mind, I guess, is really in love with everything that you're doing because it's so good and it's so true to what the book is. So that's that's you, man. That's not all us. It's part of, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's most of you. <laughs> that was honestly, that was one of my, my biggest uh, things when I was doing the, the adaptation for the first book was like, a, the most important thing for me was that I did it right. You know, like no, no cutting corners, no, you know, do it right. And because everybody's been waiting for this for so long and, you know, I've, I got the opportunity and it's kind of, you know, kind of, I hate to use the word, the honor of doing it, but it kind of is an honor to do it. And oh, for um, sure. It, uh, you know, I just, that was, that for me was in, in uh, adapting it in a way that I felt like it was doing it justice. And I knew I had done it right when the book came out and like literally everybody was so excited about, about everything. Like I really haven't heard any complaints about any decisions that I made. Um, you know, there, there's been a couple nitpicks in the art and things, but I mean, that's to be expected anyway. I mean, everything's you know, subjective. I mean, have if anybody who's gone through art school should be able to deal with that kind of uh, stuff. Just because, <laughs> God, some of those critiques that I lived through were just terror, terror. Um, if you're comfortable saying, where did you go to school? Oh yeah, um, I went to the Kansas City Art Institute uh, for my first three years, and then for some reason, like you know how you kind of pre-register um, before the end of the year, uh, whatever year you're in for the next year. You kind of pre-register mm-hmm. for your classes and stuff. Well, yeah. sometime in between, so we all pre-registered, and this was my sophomore year. We pre-registered for the junior year. And then uh, sometime over the summer break, the school decided that they no longer wanted to have an illustration department because they felt the school was becoming too commercial. And so they dumped the illustration department and they put everybody is in design now. And I'm talking like, hardcore like design because it was like called form image and text department it was a nightmare for anybody who wasn't in design or didn't wasn't looking to go into design. get rid of all the drawing classes all the you know illustration classes and stuff and it was it was a nightmare so i guess to get to my point i went to the art institute for my first three years and then i transferred to uh ringling school of art and design down in florida for my last two took an extra year down there since i was transferring to florida i figured i might as well you know get to know the, the instructors a little bit more and see what else i could get out of it so but yeah the, the, i went so to, messed up yeah it was really upsetting and like my 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 now wife who was was at school there too with me and she was a junior going into her senior year so when the seniors when we all got back the seniors were really screwed because they they there was no like portfolio class no professional practices class for illustration at all so a lot of those people got really screwed um a couple of them transferred but and then the worst part was is like 
parents would call because, you know, a lot of them, are, they're the ones putting the bill. And the parents were like, what is going on? And they were, the parents were basically told, stay out of it. So, wow. Yeah, it was real ugly. And then like two or three years later, the illustration department came back. Um, but the damage oh was already God. done for, for quite a while. The damage was done, you know. It, it's back to normal. They have a really good illustration department now. It, it's it's back to feeling like what it was. Um, they just went through a brief moment where I think some the wrong people were making some decisions. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's that's very ex an expensive decision to be making with other people's money, basically. Yeah. Oh my god. No. Wow. Kidding. What a nightmare. It was, but I got to live in Sarasota, Florida for two years, and that is a crazy place to live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sarasota seems to be, uh, at least in, from my perspective, because I, I ended up taking a full-time supervising job at Target down there. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Because I had to pay for my own insurance and stuff, because I was officially too old to be on my parents' insurance. But, uh, yeah, it's either like extreme wealth or extreme poverty down there there didn't seem to be a lot of in between hmm. it was definitely an interesting place to go to college and, and quite a culture shock for somebody like myself who's actually from kansas city and went to the kansas city art institute so i didn't i hadn't actually gone very far from home for that sure wow and that's probably tmi on on all that but you know no <laughs> not is still not fresh Please, please vent about art school on our podcast. <laughs> we do it all the time. <laughs> we surely do. I, I love oh art school. I mean, but yeah, there was just some stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a complicated issue at at times. <laughs> I probably you, where, shouldn't say any more about it. Where did you guys go to school at? Hello? We went to oh. the Milwaukee Institute Sorry. of Art and Design. So my ad in the colloquial term. And did you guys like, did you guys have a good experience and all that? Did they get rid of um, your department in the mid, mid over the summer? <laughs> they did that to Casey. Yeah. <laughs> I was illustration there. Um, and my department is kind of taken over all of the fine arts because my ad went the other way where they didn't, they wanted us to all sell out. Um, they uh -huh. didn't want to have like a ton of painters and everything anymore. Cause I think they're realizing like they couldn't really place them. And one of their things is they boast a really high placement rate and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved art school when I was in it. I loved going there. I loved everything about it. Like not the financial part, but like, you know, the teachers, the <laughs> classmates critique, that was all awesome. And, um, then I left and now I work in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I loved art school as well. Um, and like my favorite part was just like meeting like my lifelong friends. Like Alex and I were freshman roommates and like just randomly assigned to each other. And like, you know, 10 years later, we're still best friends. So like that alone is worth it to me. Like it was just that's so much really, fun. That's really lucky because most people don't have that kind of experience with random roommates, you know, yeah. right out of the gate like that. That's that's good. I got along with my freshman roommate, but you know, I don't. We haven't spoken basically since college, and I think I'm quite a bit older than you, ladies. So, because I graduated uh, college in 2000, and that was after my extra year. Oh, that's not too much older. That's, I don't know. Man. We uh, we graduated 2011, so it's only it's a decade. It's not that bad. <laughs> I I feel old sometimes. Same. All right. Well, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners 
probably want to talk a little bit about Animorphs. So, um, uh, so I, I heard you mention on another podcast that you hadn't read all the books yet. Um, like, where are you at right now, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, so I've read, like, the first five, like, over and over and over. Actually, maybe <laughs> the first. But I, what I have done is listen to so many of these Animorphs podcasts, where, you know, where you guys cover, like, a book per, excuse me, a book per episode. So I've, I've listened to a lot of that from, you know, I get, pers- you know, listening to different podcasts cover the, literally the same story as you get a completely different, you know, take on it or different uh, comments. Although sometimes the comments are, are, the, are the same. And I always find that very funny too, when people have the exact same opinion on a book or whatever, but <laughs> I've listened to most of episodes like that on almost the entire series. So I have a general idea of what's happening, where things are going. But yeah, I was trying not to read too far ahead, honestly, because it keeps a little bit of surprises for myself. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like I needed to, unfortunately, I needed to at least listen to breakdowns of the episodes and synopsises and stuff, just so I knew what was coming. And, and uh, you know, as far as the adaptation and stuff, make sure that I could include, you know, anything that, you know, might've fit better in book one or, or whatever. But there's also a part of me that kind of wishes I didn't know what was coming and I just got like, I did one book at a time and really focused on that one book. And then I'd move to the next one and be excited about, you know, what's going to happen next. But unfortunately I, I don't really have that, uh, um, you know, I don't have the chance to do that. If I want to do these right, like, like I know like in the first book, in the book book, they, they only refer to Chapman as a, it's just Chapman, I think. Yeah never in his mm-hmm. 226 or whatever but i i actually added that in to a part where it, i can't remember i might have been on the beach may have been on the beach uh, mm-hmm. during okay. the the sharing meeting when i had somebody address him that way i just felt like that, that was more formal if they're having a meeting of you know of york meeting I, I don't know why they would call each other chapman and whatever especially if it was a, a private meeting so that felt right oh that's a good point yeah, because um, the main reason I was wondering about if if you were all caught up with the series was that like there's a lot of kind of foreshadowing that happens throughout. Yeah, and I can't think of like a specific instance in especially in like the early books that I think you would like need to know, but you know I think eventually one or two things crops up. But I I mean it sounds like you're you're killing it on the research front. Um, the podcasts like definitely break down the books and like really get analytical about them so right and that's that's like that's been really good too just hearing people break them down and 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 get analytical about them because you know the fans are the ones that know if something's wrong or inconsistencies um you know and i've even gone to like the uh what is it it's not wikipedia it's uh Therapeutic, oh, yeah, yeah, because they got breakdowns of each book on there too. And one, the one thing mm-hmm. I really like about that site is that they've got a, a section for inconsistencies or mistakes um, in each book. And so they'll put, a, they'll just make a little like itemized list of like the things that were wrong in book one and then book two and book three or thing, you know, like the thing where I guess originally Jake was doing that thought speak to, to Tobias when he was a when he was a cat. Or maybe it was vice versa, and and like that isn't how it works. So I was able to fix that because I had gone through the, excuse me, the list of like the inconsistencies and stuff. So I saw that. So I mean, I do like you said, I am doing as much research as I possibly can, you know. Yeah, 
that, that part's exhausting awesome. too though it's fun but it's exa- it's exhausting <laughs> <laughs> in the best in the best way i'm not complaining it's just a lot yeah it's a lot of animorphs it is a lot <laughs> it is a lot and it's not like the cheeriest series so i uh i appreciate the amount of like humor and jokes you put into the graphic novel like um, one of my favorite parts is when Jake morphs into the dog for the first time and Tom walks in and is like, why are you dressing up the dog? It was Jake's idea. I told him it was dumb. Freaking laughed so hard. Loved yeah, that. you know, I was <laughs> I was drawing that. And when I got to the point, let's see, because basically I do the sketches first. Like the, I pencil the book and I'll do like rough lettering, just kind of sketching it as I'm going. And then when I got to doing the actual lettering, I realized, you know, he's still kind of has a little bit of clothing on and everything. And there's no way Tom would come in and not wonder why the dog's dressed up. And so that kind of, that just kind of happened that way. And I, and I kind of made myself laugh with it too. That's why I, it made sense to me to have him say, why, why is the dog dressed up? But then mm-hmm. the part I enjoyed was what you said was what, how Tobias is like, yeah, it was Jake's idea. I told him it was dumb, but you know, just totally throwing him under the bus while he's sitting right there next to him. I thought was. I love it. I'm glad you like that because <laughs> I wasn't sure you know I I was going through and adding a lot of my own jokes uh, into the mix so I was really like oh I hope these land because I don't want to make everybody mad because I made it too funny or I ruined a joke that maybe had been there or or ruined a moment by making a joke so I, okay I, now I have to know what was the favorite joke that you added what do you think your best one is oh my gosh I don't know, but I'm still, I really like the whole, the whole food court scene where Jake is just shoveling nachos into his mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Marco's first, Marco's mad that, you know, Jake's eating all the nachos and he's like, I ate a, I ate a live spider, you know, and, 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 uh, and he's talking through a full mouth sometimes. Like I just had him just shoving nachos into his mouth the entire scene while everybody else was trying to have a normal conversation. And then when, Marco was like, yeah, well, we're the Animorphs. And then every, I, that was my joke that I added in where everybody was just like, what? Like, nobody was excited about it, about calling themselves the Animorphs, which is how I, I don't know, I kind of felt like that's probably how it would go. In a group of teenagers who are just going through this, somebody said, yeah, we're the Animorphs now. I think everybody would be like, no, we're not. We're not. That's, that's dumb. <laughs> that, that was my favorite joke. Course, I thought it was also possibly the most controversial joke that I added to because I didn't want people to be offended that I was making fun of the name um, Animorphs. And I kind of wasn't. It was just an in the, in the moment kind of a joke. I think that I've gotten, like personally from people that we're talking to, that face that you drew in that scene that Rachel makes where she's just so nonplussed when, when Marco says we're the Animorphs and she's just like, what the hell? I've yeah. seen that so many times with people like, this is my favorite Rachel face. I love this so much. So I, <laughs> I think it landed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I, that's, you know, that's kind of where I live at. I don't know if you guys have read any of my other stuff, just my own stuff, but um, I always try to add as much humor into them as I can and many, as many jokes as I can, even if it's a serious tone. So it was nice to be able to kind of have the freedom to do that if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I did throw all that in, and I get at any point, you know, my editors at Scholastic, my editor there could have could have said, eh, maybe not, maybe don't say this, or maybe don't do that, but they never did, you know. So 
Okay. They let me get away with it. I guess they would let me, you know, hang myself, I guess, later down the road if it's bad, if, if uh, people aren't happy with it. But um, no, they never really had uh, any any real severe notes for me. That was another thing I was kind of concerned about, you know, doing an adaptation of somebody else's stuff. I wasn't sure how much pushback I was going to get if I changed just a little bit here and there. But yeah, there was there was never any, um, at least not yet, I haven't had any major missteps yet You're crushing it that's awesome <laughs> so just kind of delving back into art um can you talk a little bit about your design process for some of like the the non-humans like some of the spaceships and the aliens and more specifically like how much did you rely on existing like animorphs fan art or interpretations so kind of what I did with the aliens um, was that I did, obviously, any kind of research you're going to do with Animorphs. I mean, you're going to see all the fan art. You're going to see everything. So I would do like a Google search for, like, say, Andalites. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there, there'd be the uh, some of the illustrations from the books, maybe book covers. Um, then there was a lot of, you know, like 20 years of, of fan fan art and stuff. And um, And it was not my intention to, like, try to copy any of that. But what I was trying to do was see what kind of has stuck over the years you know like you know for example if you know if they had never said what color the andalites were in the book i know they do but that's ridiculous to think that they wouldn't but for you know as an example but then for 20 years everybody's been drawing blue andalites you know and there and that's kind of um accepted you know that's just what the fan base has accepted that, that everything looks like uh then then it would have been weird for me to not make them blue at least I felt, you know what I mean? Like I was trying to find my own style, my own designs based on um, the descriptions in the book uh, was what I took my designs from. But um, I did look at everything I could find. And I know my taxons are quite a bit different than pretty much any other art I've seen out there. Those were the biggest departures, I think, from what people were expecting because they're not quite as skinny and long but mine are like really fat and juicy and I wanted them to be that way. Cause I kind of wanted them to be, I see them more as like the, the worker bees of, of the, the invasion. That seems like they're the guys mm -hmm. who are like running, running everything. Mr. Three's yelling at everybody, but like they're also, they don't seem like very intelligent either. Uh, and I wanted, and so I was trying to make them look kind of silly also, but still they could still like eat each other. It's disgusting, you know, and they're constantly mm -hmm. like belching up stomach bile or whatever it is they're doing. Um, but I want them to be real thick and juicy. So later when, you know, Rachel is a, is a, uh, it's an elephant and is just trampling them down in the, down in the yerk pool. I wanted that to be really good. So I was kind of, I guess I was designing them specifically to be run over the taxons. In the <laughs> I don't know, you know, cause it seemed like anytime there was a battle scene with taxons, it's always like, like Marco's ripping them open with his, with his gorilla hands and, Rachel is stomping on them and they're ripping and exploding and just the descriptions of those are gross, but I don't really remember hardly any descriptions of that for the, uh, the hork or anything. I mean, they're just, mm -hmm. you know, vicious fighters, but you never really hear about them being torn open and eating each other and doing gross stuff. So and that's sure. probably, like, um, probably meandering from your question about my designs, but, um, no, no, no. I think that's great. Um, I, I just kind of took my... all into consideration when I was drawing them. Like after I'd read the books, I was 
just trying to figure out like, okay, what do these guys need to look like to be, to be the most effective visually in these books? That was kind of my design on that. Now the ships were a little different because there is some, there is some like um, designs, ship designs that was in some publication a while back and Anamorphs type uh, the ships of the, of the uh, book series. So I don't think it's in print anymore, but there was some illustrations out there. I was able to kind of find and, it kind of took some uh, inspiration from those. Plus the descriptions in the book seemed to be exactly what everybody had been drawing for 20 years. Like people were mm -hmm. sticking to those too. So there really wasn't a lot of places for me to go with the ships beyond kind of what had already been done. But I still um, tried to make them as uniquely mine as I could without straying too far from the descriptions and what people had. Again, what people had kind of come to expect that they look like. That was that was kind of yeah. um, I don't know if you know that's probably the long way of describing it, but that's kind of how I did it. it. It was I was just trying to find the happy medium in between what I wanted to do, um, how I was picturing them, and then what people were expecting to see. That's awesome. Um, my own personal experience with the taxons was I I pictured them as more like a literal centipede with like an exoskeleton, but I think when I saw your interpretation, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense because they get torn apart so easily it wouldn't make sense for them to have an exoskeleton so i actually really appreciate your interpretation that they're just these big goose acts yeah I, that's kind of what i liked about them. just like you said that's a that's a great way of saying it to the giant goose acts i even tried to add like <laughs> little you can see veins like through them so they're somewhat translucent also it's just mm -hmm. they're just i was just trying to make them as gross as i could really i had a great time drawing the aliens that was always the most Exciting panels of any page was the aliens for me anyway. For sure. There's a couple of uh, Horkbajur drawings in there that are probably my favorite drawings in the whole book. Um, really, especially love the Horkbajur designs. Thanks. You know, I actually, uh, I had I had drawn the entire book. I'd inked the entire book before I realized that I had drawn all the, uh, you know, the, uh, the blades on their arms. I had, mm. I had faced them all the wrong way. Based oh, on my, no. I've drawn them all backwards in the entire book. So I spent like three days just going through, opening every page that had a Horkbajir on it and erasing what was there and drawing a new one. Uh, ju just the arm, just the arm blades. Uh, but it still took quite a while. And I probably could have not oh, done no. it. And everybody, maybe people wouldn't have complained or, or whatever, but I would have known. And that would have mm -hmm. drawn. <laughs> just looking at the book now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of the the kid characters, do you have any um, design changes kind of planned for future books to like indicate a passage of time or aging? Like, you planning on changing Marco's hair or like yeah. giving anybody a little like beard stubble or something? Well, at least in the first couple of books, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of time um, mm -hmm. passing. Uh, but in the second book, Marco's hair is kind of tall and kind of spiky. So, and that was my plan in the first one was to uh, give him that haircut. And then in the second book, he's kind of like combed it, you know, kind of parted it in the middle and it's kind of combing it, kind of like how the 90s, that style of, uh, I'm not even sure what it was called now. I mean, I even had this haircut, you know, basically his haircut from the TV show and everything or the, uh, or the book covers. Mm -hmm. But it's not that long. It's still, it's still just like mid-length, so it's not the full-on thing. And then also... Um, Cassie, I never drew her in her uh, kind of trademark overalls and everything in the first book. Mm -hmm. 
So that was something else that I, I knew everybody was going to want to see that, but I decided to hold off for at least till the second book. So it gave me something to look forward to. And hopefully, you know, hopefully the fans will see that in book two, because I did do that. Um, hopefully they'll see that and go, you know, and be excited to see her in her overalls. But again, uh, somebody asked me about that, um, why I didn't put her in overalls. And my uh, my answer to that was, I grew up in a very rural part of Missouri here where I had friends who had farms when, and worked on their farms, you know, and would come to school and uh, nobody wore overalls to school, <laughs> not in middle school or high school. Like nobody came, you know, looking like they just milked a cow and then, you know, came to school. So that was kind of my thought process with her was like, you know, I know, she, you know, Cassie's Cassie and Rachel is obviously the the one who's, far more concerned about the way she looks than Cassie, but I just couldn't see Cassie going to school or hanging out all the time in overalls. So I tried to find mm -hmm. some kind of a, a different kind of uh, outfit for her for the first book. And I think she still has like a kind of like shorts, shorts that are uh, like mm -hmm. uh, shorts, you know, and a kind of a big flannel shirt that she wears most of the book. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a decision I made too. And that was just based on my own personal, like, thoughts on that suddenly every time i wore overalls to school it's flashing in front of my eyes i'm in a panic now <laughs> <laughs> well there was a time when they were they were very popular too but i mean the way cassie's yeah. you know, wearing them on her farm it's like her farm uniform and i just thought you know she was she's gonna change clothes to go to school she's she's gonna she's still a, a, a preteen, if not going on to being a teenager i mean i don't know i feel like all teens are more worried about the way they look than maybe they'd let on. So I just couldn't believe that Cassie would just walk around in giant boots and, and, uh, and overalls all the time. Yeah. That'd be very uncomfortable. Um, so did you, when you were um, first starting the process or at any point, did you ever get like any direction from Catherine or Michael about the books or any words of wisdom imparted? I did not. And, and actually that's a good question because that was my, I hate to use the word concern because, you know, I didn't, I hadn't met them. I didn't know anything about them really. I had heard that they're very nice, but no, I had no, um, anything from them. But I guess basically when I turned in what Scholastic, I guess, considers like the manuscript, if like you were just writing a book, it would be like, you know, your rough draft, but for a, for a, a graphic novel, it's the entire book penciled with, with word balloons and lettering. Um, and then you get notes basically on if things are working or if things need to be changed, which could be a lot of work if you mess something up, you know, because it's hard to just change, add a panel or take a panel off a page or something. You kind of can't do that in comic books because everything flows a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, but so it was my understanding that once I turned in that, then, you know, my editor and a couple people at Classic would look at it, but then it was also get, getting handed off to Catherine and Michael to get there um feedback and their feedback as i recall was just like looks great you know like okay perfect yeah, okay <laughs> awesome yeah i mean okay. <laughs> and so, so it wasn't until um the i don't know if you guys saw the comic-con virtual panels they did uh, sometime in yeah. july i think that and, and i was on there with Catherine and michael and that was literally the first time i'd ever actually spoken to them or uh <laughs> It was I, so it was awkward, but exciting because it was, at the same time, I was like really excited to see them. And I knew that they were they were happy with the book and everything. But at the same time, it's like this is their baby. And 
you know, they've, they've entrusted this to me and I don't know. I just felt like a lot of pressure to, to do it justice. Kind of like what I what I was saying earlier. And, but they were just so nice. They're just impossibly nice people. They've been so yeah. supportive and they sent, they sent me uh, some flowers and some cookies and stuff uh-huh. on the day the book came out. I had a, I had the a delivery from a local uh, floral shop. Oh my God. It was just, they were beautiful flowers. I mean, normally I'm not a flowers guy, but these showed up and it was just like, holy crap. Those are so beautiful. And then there was a nice note from them and it was just such a nice, they're just such nice people. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. And I, I have to say all the interactions that I've seen with you where they're like, Hey, we did nothing. This is all Chris's work. All of this. Like I, I, from my perspective love that they're giving you all of that credit because you know they did write this however many years ago and this really is kind of your baby now <laughs> so i love mm-hmm. that they're they're doing that i think one of the one of my favorite interactions with them was uh i think just earlier this week a few days ago um somebody had posted somebody had uh tagged me and and uh, Catherine and michael and said something like this is on twitter about coming uh they needed us all to go to like i'm not sure if it was portugal or somewhere so they could get all three of us to sign their books for them and michael grant commented that uh you know if if we weren't dealing with a pandemic right now Catherine and i would get on a plane and and be there tomorrow but chris grind can't come because he has homework you know i mean that was (laughs) and it was hilarious so i just i just replied with a with a uh a meme is my, one of my favorite things. It's like a little kid coloring, but they're like obviously having a tough time with it and they're crying. Yeah. So that was so that was just my response to that, and it was just hilarious. I it's it's been pretty fun. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's fantastic. I was about to say it's like yeah, you have homework for the next like couple of years probably, um, yeah. which does lead me into the next question. I don't know if you can answer this. Um, I I've heard that you're doing at least books one through three. Is that still the yeah. case if you can tell us that's still the case for now um i don't know if and when another a conversation will come up with the next ones i don't know if their plan is to pick somebody else to do the next group or if they're gonna ask me to do it which i hope my fingers are crossed because i'll be very disappointed if i don't get to draw axe I- i'm serious me too i'll be yeah. very disappointed <laughs> if i don't get to have some fun with that guy I really want to see your take on Axe. He is my favorite. He's my he, my baby son. I love him so much. So I'm I'm praying for you. <laughs> I, well, yeah, and that's a lot of pressure there too, because that's like next to Tobias. I mean, I think he Axe is either I'm not sure who comes out on first between those two in the fan favorite category, but yeah, he is definitely a fan favorite. One one thing I've been doing on social media. I don't know if you guys have seen it too, but I. I just lie sometimes. I'll just post like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is what I, here's my design ideas for this. And I'm always kidding. And some people get it right away and other people are like, what? And so I've I've been, yeah. So uh, my idea for acts and I'm not doing this, obviously my first thought was, is like, it's kind of like the prism thing where like all light, all colors kind of go through a prism and they, it just kind of comes out as white light. Uh, I was thinking, well, if he really kind of, uh, you know, um, God, I'm, have, I'm completely forgot the word, uh, acquiring all, all five of the kids or all four of the kids, uh, <laughs> then maybe he should just be a really creepy albino guy with like 
all really white hair and like red eyes <laughs> just you know written like you know you could see some of his veins through his skin i was just kidding i'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. people get really nervous when i do <laughs> i would never do yeah that. yeah and i was talking about it kind of funny book two, like there's a scene in book two where i'm adding where viscera three is just trying on hats <gasps> what I, I, I want that though <laughs> i need that <laughs> I think people would actually like that, but no, I'm not doing that either. Um, although oh, one thing no. I am doing, graphics has uh, requested uh, from me and probably several other other artists to do uh, an illustration, like a Halloween themed illustration of one of the characters from your books. So I'm doing I'm doing a uh, it's Visser three, but he's he's trick or treating and he's dressed up like a cat. So I this felt like amazing. That, I felt like that was appropriate. Mm. So he's. He's dressed up like a giant cat in a really terrible, like obviously bought off the shelf costume. And there's a little oh kid like walking God. by him that's dressed like a like a little spaceman. And they're just kind of passing each other on the sidewalk, staring at each other. Oh my God, that's incredible! <laughs> that, that is incredible. Oh no, I, I love Mister Three as much as everybody. He's he's like one of my favorite characters, but he, I love the cat thing with him. And I'm not sure exactly <laughs> when that started. I, I don't know if fans kind of made kind of made connections that weren't there, but it doesn't matter because once you get it in your head that he loves cats, you can't read it any other way. You just can't. And so I do my best to like always make him like in book two, and I'm I'm not playing it for jokes or anything, but if there's any opportunity I can where he's talking about you know rachel as a cat and how magnificent that beast is and all that stuff he's always like really excited about it he's always like mm -hmm. pumping his fist and being super excited about about cats so i think um we've we've definitely also made that connection um but i think like later on in the books like we get on his ship at some point and i think alex and i were joking that like you go into his room and he's got a bunch of like torture equipment but like maybe he also has like posters of like cats hanging off of tree branches being like hang in there yeah you know so i could I, do that i might do that yeah just Heck throw yeah. a, a easter egg in there for all the fans yeah. and myself oh this is, this is a <laughs> wonderful thing that's amazing i um, love this easter egg thing which okay so we there's another question we have here about easter eggs this is perfect yes. are you First of all, I'll preface this by saying, like, I'm convinced that you have put Sam Elliott in this book in the beach scene. But <laughs> other Easter eggs in the crowd scenes, are you putting people in there? Are you going, do you have plans to put people in there? Anything that we can look out for? I I, I didn't put Sam Elliott in anything. In, Dang it. Uh, I can tell you oh. that, there, to my knowledge, there is no Easter eggs in the first book. Now, I'm you got me flipping through the book now. Because now I'm going to the beach scene because I want to see who the heck you're talking about. Uh -oh. I'll see if I can find it while I'm, I'm here. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I was just curious. But um, somebody mentioned last week, somebody had reached out to me and said, hey, you should add a lot. You should add some of the fans in the, in the, uh, in the backgrounds <laughs> in, in, the, in the books. And my first thought was like, I don't have time for that. But... I, I mean, at least in book two, there's really not a lot of crowds. I mean, it's it's a pretty, I don't know. It's a much mm -hmm. smaller story, even though it's I think it's more impactful. But the third book, there's that whole thing at the end in the mall with just mm -hmm. probably thousands of people. So I may, 
uh, ask Elastic like how they felt about maybe if I had like some kind of a contest or something where somehow we yeah. choose choose a fan and you know I mean my likeness isn't going to be spot on but they would know that it was supposed to be them maybe just in a, in a crowd scene or whatever. Oh, I may try to do something like that. That's I'm not a great idea. Yeah, I can't commit to it yet, but obviously because I haven't talked to anybody about it, but it seems like it seems fairly doable. That's well, cool. that's that's so perfect because that's how um, Eric the Chi got his name. I don't know if you're that far yet, but there's a character in the book that they yeah. actually held a contest for. It. So that would be like just perfect. Yeah, and how long? Where does he show up? Do you guys know approximately what book that is? Book ten, I believe. Book ten. Okay. So he's a while off. Because I had I had a thought on that too. Like I I think it's highly unlikely that I will be doing book ten. Like I don't know. Maybe I I don't know. But if I am doing book 10, then I was going to reach out to that guy because I know he is available. I mean, I've seen him join a couple groups and stuff. Um, yeah. And I might try to see if get a picture, if he's got a picture of himself about that age. And then I would, not only would it be named his way, but I could maybe make it look like him too. Oh my gosh. So I thought that that might be an extra layer of fun for everybody. For everybody who oh, knows. Oh, Absolutely. I don't wow. even know if he'd be interested, you know, I, this is just me kind of thinking my thoughts, you know, to the clouds mm -hmm. at night. So I'm sure he would be. And uh, the Sam Elliott guy, I think, is on page 119, the bottom panel on the right side. All right. Get All right. Mustache. We'll see. That's that's my call out. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just going to say that is him now. It's just easier to say it is than try to deny it. <laughs> I mean, you can deny yeah. it. We can, we can just tell <laughs> the rumors now. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only egg I found was, um, I think there's a guy in the York pool who's wearing like a red basketball jersey with 23 on it. And I was like, ooh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was like set in the 90s. And, you know, I mean. Yeah. I thought, you know, I might as well try to throw a few 90s things in there. I just didn't want it to be, like, smack you over the head 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm trying my best to make it as timeless as I can. But anytime we have to have something, like, my daughter is 12. She was looking through the book. And there's this scene where Jake's at the kitchen table eating breakfast, I think. Yeah. When Tom comes in to talk to him. And there's the phone is sitting on the table. Like, the old school plug into the wall phone with the cord and everything. And she was like, what is that? What is that? Uh, <laughs> that's a phone. <laughs> so she had no idea because we don't even have a house phone. We've never, we haven't had a house phone since before she was born. So she has no idea what that is. Oh my God. Is. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. I, I completely didn't see that on my first read through because it was so natural to me. Cause like I grew up in the nineties, I've used a phone like that. So the fact that like a younger person doesn't know what that is it's like oh no i feel old yeah so those are the little touches i was trying to add little 90s touches and um like i think i gave marco that weird that, that shirt he's got with like the stripe that's just on one side i had that shirt <laughs> i had that shirt so <laughs> part of it is uh me telling on myself some of my terrible fashion choices and stuff in the 90s I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that I Heart Nap shirt is a classic. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, you know, I had him show up in that shirt because I thought he's not going to want to wear a good shirt if he thinks he's going to stretch it out. 
or or probably have to leave it down there, right? If they morph, they're not like carrying their clothes when they when they run out. So I figured that was a shirt that he wasn't going to mind losing. But I'm glad you liked it because that was making me laugh. <laughs> I figured it was like a, some free shirt or some shirt he got from like an ant or something or something that he didn't want anyway. It's like the bottom of a drawer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shirt was a big hit. <laughs> probably, sure. I probably way overthought most of my decisions in this book. Now that when you guys, because when you guys are asking me questions, I have way too much <laughs> about how I came up with whatever the most ridiculous things, and so. Oh no. Oh. oh. Whatever. I appreciate it. I think it's. I mean, I'm loving that it's. It's actual like. Oh yeah, I did this. I thought this would be funny instead of like. I don't know. I just put it in there. That'd be boring and lame. This is way I, better. <laughs> Let me ask you guys' opinion on something because I haven't really asked anybody. Um, page two twenty four, um, which is the one where uh, that's the one where Jake's laying in bed after the mm-hmm. escape, and and Tom comes home, and in the book, <coughs> excuse me, Tom comes home, and you know I think I think that conversation happens to some degree, or maybe it doesn't, with him and his mom. I can't really remember now, um, but I thought it was it would be weird if he wasn't if he didn't look like he'd been beat up a little bit. Cause I mean, he was knocked off that stairwell, that stairway, you know, by Visser three in monster form basically. And so I, that was, I wasn't sure, you know, if they were going to push back on that um, when I did it. Cause he's, he looks pretty beat up there, black eye and scratches and everything. That was something that I just kind of added last minute. Cause I thought it felt right. Yeah, when we were doing our like our reactions to it, I actually called that out as something that I absolutely loved that you added because you're you're right. He got thrown. He tried to fight a monster and got thrown into God knows where. So I think that was a perfect detail, and I loved that he was so beat up, and especially uh you know next to Jake who can heal himself. You know yeah. when he's morphing, it was just it was a perfect detail. I thought, and that was something too that I don't think they talked about in the first book. And I don't really know exactly when that comes up that that morphine heals you. Did did they talk about that in the first book? Not in the first book. They uh they first come up with book it in four. book four. Okay. Yeah. Um that's when we get the first like mortal wound and then uh they're surprised that they're able to heal out of it. And so that was one of the an example of me like reading ahead and kind of being prepared for that because if I hadn't then it, you know, the, I could have had these kids, you know, morph back and then still have them be beat up and everything. And then that would have been mm-hmm. wrong. So that was one of the things that, you know, when I'm reading ahead and when I'm listening to podcasts or people, you know, talking about mm-hmm. the books, that's the kind of stuff I'm listening for because I can't go back and change it later. Yeah. So I'm trying to get them well, as right in the first try. Yeah, and there was an error in the first book um, in, like, an early printing where Tobias had had a scratch from his cat and then it morphed the cat and then morphed back and he still had the scratch. And they had to, I believe, go in and fix that in future printings. So yeah, I, I think you absolutely made the right call. Yeah, I think that was in one of the, uh, the Serapedia or whatever it was, to one of the uh, one of the inconsistencies or one of the mistakes. That was on there and also mm-hmm. the where Jake was talking to him and thought and thought speech. Those were easy things for yeah. me to fix, but mm-hmm. you know, but another thing too, like when I, when I first, when, I think when Scholastic first posted like the first, I don't know, however many 20 pages or whatever back in February, maybe uh, 
there was a quite a discussion. People were like, well, which version of Andalite did you draw? Did you draw, you know? And I was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. There's more than one. I don't know what you're talking about. And so I had to, I went and did some research and I guess in a much later book, they're talking about, I think somebody was trying to ride um, Axe maybe, maybe it was mm -hmm. Rachel. Uh, and, but his, they described it as his back is, is really sloped. So it's really hard for anybody to ride. You can't ride him like a horse where it'd be very difficult, but that description doesn't show up until much later in the series. So I was happy that somebody, um, somebody said that because that, led me down a bit of a rabbit hole um, and then I went back and changed the art again for the Andalite as much as I could to, to kind of uh, at least have that have less of a centaur looking thing and more of like a sloped back um, mm -hmm. and that was that was from fans you know just you know interacting with me and letting me letting me know that there was apparently a controversy I, I didn't know I didn't know it was controversy well, I have um, a completely unrelated but um, kind of self-indulgent question for you sure. um, about your creation process. So you are churning out graphic novel after graphic novel, not just for Animorphs, but for your own stuff, which is amazing. Um, I've been working on my comic for three years, and I've been dealing with tendonitis and repetitive strain injuries, and you do the entire process yourself you do the the sketch the ink the color and the the text bubbles and the finishing how on earth have your bones not crumbled into dust <laughs> like how do you prevent physical burnout for yourself is what i'm asking that's a good question i i don't know and i will if i could back up to um my uh, book i did in it came out in 2017 called time shifters that book <laughs> Um, I m messed up the deadline on that, like when it was, when they needed to have stuff, um, completed by, and that was on me, but I ended up having to ink and color the entire 270 page book in five months. Oh, wow. Um, and that almost killed me. And then I did, I bought one of those tens machines, you know, for my wrist and my arm. Cause I was having tendonitis really bad, um, as a result of that. So, um, but since then, I've, I'm I'm doing like two graphic novels a year now, on yeah. average. Um, like I just, I obviously Animorphs. I finished Animorphs last uh, probably like mid January last year, and then I did book one of another series that I've got coming out. Um, it's called uh, Secrets of Camp Whatever, and that book is like 270 pages. And I fin I started that like mid January, and I finished that at the end of July. And then I started the next Animorphs book and I'll be done with that by the end of the year. But so what I do, well, and the reason I'm saying that, the reason I'm saying the, the page numbers and stuff is, so what I'll do is I'll say, okay, there is 200 pages in the second Animorphs book. So if I gave myself like two months to ink that and I break it down, I'll divide like 200 by, you know, however many days, 60 days. And it really just kind of came to like four pages a day, which... Mm -hmm. And since I work all digitally, that's I can do that pretty easily. Um, but that includes, you know, basically no days off, so no weekends off um, ever. Yeah. Um, but I tend to work like you know early in the morning on the weekends, and then maybe in the evening. It doesn't seem so bad. But so anyway, so my point is, is I do that. So I'll say, okay, well, if I can do four pages a day, then I stop. 
Like, like if it's Monday and I finish my four pages by like two thirty, then I'm done for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless, unless there's something going on where I'm like, I have plenty of time. So I'll maybe squeeze another page in or something, but, um, because some days I finish early, some days it'll be late. It depends on, you know, the difficulty in the pages, but that's, that's how I've been trying to pace myself. Uh, mm-hmm. because the, and then the color will be about the same. It'll be like 60 days for, you know, the same amount of stuff. So I'm down to like, you know, maybe three, three and a half, uh, page, colored pages a day. That doesn't seem as, as, scary as saying i have to color 200 pages you mm-hmm. just do a couple pages a, a day and that's basically what i do that's how i do it i'll like uh i'll do the pencils i'll give myself two months to do pencils um and then the next step is to do the the lettering which takes about two weeks the um for the word balloons and everything because i'll do that in illustrator i don't know if you mm-hmm. do yours in illustrator or not but um i found that that's been a huge time saver for multiple reasons. Um, and that's another thing I do is I, I try to uh, streamline my work process as much as I can. And I used mm-hmm. to do all my pencils on uh, like five by sevens, like note cards that I could just carry around and I'd always have them with me so I could always be working on them. But then I got an iPad Pro. And so now I do all my pencils on that and then I can just um, just airdrop them right to my computer or right to my uh, desktop and they're ready mm-hmm. to go. I just drop them right into templates and take them into Clip Studio for that. But um, that's basically how I work, and I find that if I stay steady on that, my arms don't hurt, my hand doesn't hurt. But if I take like two weeks off, then my arm starts hurting. It's weird. It's almost like as long as I keep going, I'm not in as much pain. But if I start changing up my rhythm, then I start yeah. having then I start having more pain. Uh huh. Yeah, I've I've found that too. Actually, I'm always like really rusty after my weekend. Um, after I've been like resting over the weekend and by Monday, it's kind of like the muscles have kind of atrophied maybe. So that's um, really interesting. Do you use a, uh, are you, do you, do you draw, um, do you do it digitally or are you? Um, yeah, I'm digital. Okay. So on my Cintiq there, you know, they've all got the little, the pens, right? Um, there is <laughs> a, uh, I bought a couple of years ago and I, I'm trying to find it so I can tell you the name of it. Um, is it Ergo Grip? Yes, the big fat one. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've got I've, those. I've got that. They're great. That has extremely helped my my uh, tendonitis because I can't squeeze as hard. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, really bear down on the pen or anything else because it because I just, you know, it's much larger and I find it's way more comfortable for my hand anyway. But that's another thing I do to kind of keep myself kind of healthy as much as I can. I will say yeah. the. Uh, I've never had to do like publicity for a book before and I have had just a ton of publicity event type things with this Animorph stuff. And that has actually slowed me down a little bit more than I thought it was going to. Um, so I am a little behind schedule, but that's, that's okay. Like I'm really enjoying doing that part. It's just, it's taken a lot more time out of my day than I thought it was going to. Oh no, it's our fault. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just like like I'm I'm not exactly a morning person, so I'll get up and I'll drink coffee for like an hour and watch cartoons before my day kind of starts. Make sure the kids get off to school and do what they need to do. And uh, but like lately, like a lot of these events I've been doing, um, some of them are like you got to be on the on your uh, computer like eight a.m. and uh, ready to go. Mm-hmm. So that means I've got to be up, dressed, you know, because normally I just wear pajamas all day. Cause you know, I'm yeah. just drawing, 
Uh, so, you know, and that starts my day off differently. And then when the event's done at like 9.30 or 10, then I'm, I'm wiped out. I'm like just kind of emotionally wiped out, not physically, just from talking and, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that, tend, that just slows me down a little bit. But, you know, I don't know if I really answered your question very well, but that's kind of how I do it. I try to break it down into little bite-sized chunks that don't seem as scary. And, I, and another thing I will say is that I never planned on ever taking on this much work at one time. But what happened was, mm-hmm. is I finished Time Shifters in like May. And then over the summer, I kind of chilled a little bit and I was working on like some pitches for some other stuff. And uh, I wasn't having a whole lot of, of luck right away. But, but I also kind of wasn't in a huge hurry. I was just kind of relaxing a little bit because Time Shifters had been so hard on me and then scholastic uh came to me and they were like hey you know would you be interested in doing this and i was absolutely interested in doing this and i say that that was probably like mid july or mid december and uh and so the contract stuff started and then and then it just kind of as contract stuff does it just kind of goes on and on and on and on and on and on and and at one point it i wasn't sure if it was even going to happen anymore just just i just wasn't sure right it was just it had just gone on for so long and in the meantime here it is like june and i don't have any jobs lined up i don't have anything mm-hmm. and it's kind of scary and that's you know my wife's looking at me like uh, are you planning on working what's going on and so i sent out there was another publisher oni who was looking for some maybe some all ages type stuff they were uh i think starting up their own uh maybe an imprint for all ages type stuff so I pitched them some stuff and uh, they were really excited about the camp, whatever uh, stuff. And then they were like, Hey, we really like this, but they were kind of curious if, if you'd want to make it into like a, a, a three book deal, like a three book series. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to do that. Um, and then the, and as soon as I signed that contract, like the next day, Scholastic got back. They're like, all right, we're good to go. I was oh, like, no. Oh crap. Oh crap. I got six graphic novels in three years to do now. Um, so, so part of it is fear. Uh, part of my motivation of where I get my most of my work done is just out of fear. <laughs> um, oh no! But yeah, but I think you know, going all the way back to art school, though. I mean, all those. I'm sure you guys put in plenty of all nighters and stuff too, and working on things. I think that's just kind of prep for this kind of stuff in life too. Because I, I put in quite a few all nighters. When I need to, I don't do it very often though. I try to get as much sleep as I can, but mm-hmm. not always in the cards. Yeah, no, it's not. Wow. Sleep is not popular at art school. That's for sure. <laughs> well, goodness, Alex, what do you got? Oh, I I have to know who is your favorite character. Oh, Visser Three is my favorite character. Okay, <laughs> you you did say that. That's fair. Hands down, he is. He is because he's. He reminds me of all my favorite '80s villains, like from the from T- whether it was like uh, Cobra Commander or Megatron or mm-hmm. or Skeletor. These guys, and, and Visser Three is just as guilty. Show up every day with like the new, you know, plan to take over the world, and it never works out, and they always lose, but they just never lose that confidence, that ridiculous confidence. Like I, it's completely misplaced. Like I don't understand why they are always so pompous and I don't know. I just love that. I love that about them. 
And and so Ezra, you know, I love Visser three because he kind of comes with the same attitude. You know, I mean, he is not well liked within his organization, as we find out later. And you know, pretty much nobody likes him. But he he doesn't care. He doesn't let that bother him. And he'll just turn into any monster he wants and eat anybody who's disagreeing with him. And <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of I really like that. And I like that he likes cats. So he's a little bit of the butt of the joke, a little bit. You know, maybe. Uh, yeah, so he's my he's my favorite character, at least at least from the aliens. But I, if I if you were gonna hold me to like who's my favorite character from the Animorphs, the kids, that's probably gonna be Marco, only because I can relate to his uh, his attitude a little bit, his his need for always telling jokes and his sarcasm and things like that. I I, I don't know. I relate most to him because of that. Not not his, I guess, perceived cowardice or anything, but. Um, I guess just if, if if that wasn't going on, if they weren't in the middle of an invasion, I think that he would be easily be my favorite character. Well, I'm definitely fingers crossed that you work up all the Animorphs books, but definitely get to a Marco book at least, because I especially with adding in like the type of jokes and stuff that you do, I think you would just take that character to the next level of hilarity. So I'm hoping so hard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I actually do have, and I don't want to ruin anything now, but I've, I've added a few jokes in the second book that my editor, I finally got the notes back and, and he said that I can't remember the words he used, but um, basically outdid myself on the jokes in the second book. So I hope, I hope that uh, people like them. But I go, of course, I do try to keep them, you know, appropriate for, you know, as far as what's going on in the book and stuff. They're not just, I don't have just somebody throwing pies in the background. For no reason. But like one of the jokes I added in the second book was just a joke that I think I said it on Twitter one day too, but it was something that occurred to me and it hasn't come up in the books yet. So even though there is an answer for it, it hasn't been talked about yet. So it would make sense for the kids to be talking about it. But the, the scene in the book where Rachel and Cassie are trying to catch the cat the first time they're trying to catch it. So, so Rachel can uh, acquire it. Well, mm-hmm. Jake, and Jake and Marco are hiding out, kind of hanging out in the street behind a car, basically, while the girls do their thing. And so I just I cut to them for just a minute, like, what would they be talking about? So I just had Marco saying, hey, Jake, you know, it's been like, what, a week since Jake turned into that lizard, right? Maybe in this book, maybe it's been a week. I have mm-hmm. I have Marco going, hey, hey, Jake, remember when you turned into that lizard? And he's like, yeah, I remember. And he's like, hey, remember when your tail fell off? And you just left it there and then you morphed back to human. Remember that? And he's like, yeah, I remember. What? What's your point, Marco? And he's like, well, weren't you worried that maybe that was like your butt cheeks or something that you just left on the... <laughs> and he's like, and Jake's like, well, I am now. You know, so, oh my God. And that's like, that's the whole conversation that it just cuts back to Cassie and Rachel. So it's just like a moment of Marco just being Marco. <laughs> that's amazing. Because I know the answer is Z-Space. I know that's the answer, right? But... Uh, for for all that the mass and all that stuff that goes it's got to go somewhere i get that but that hasn't come up in the book yet so they'd have right. no way of knowing that and so, that's not as funny v space isn't hilarious but yeah. <laughs> your butt is pretty good <laughs> so you know looking forward to book two well i'm writing all these things and i'm always wondering god am i the only one that's going to think this is funny i hope not <laughs> making myself laugh i don't know i don't know I don't know. So, it's all worked for me so far, so right, I'm on good. board. <laughs> all right, yeah, I'm, we're I'm, into I'm, it. A good start then. 
Well, do we have any other questions? We should probably let you go pretty soon, but um, Alex, you got no, anything else? No, we can quit kidnapping you from your family in your evening. <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> oh, I've been looking forward to this all day because, like I said, I like to I like to be able to talk about Animorph stuff. As you can tell, I mean, I'm pretty excited about talking about it. So I really like I it. I mean, I'm so pumped that you're excited about it because, like, it, I as fans, like, it's great to us that, like, you are just as excited about these kids in this story as we are. I mean, that's it can't be better. That's how you get the best books, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, ho I hope so. I hope it comes across that way, too, because I, you know, starting this out, I wasn't, like, a huge fan um, because I just hadn't grown up with it like a lot of uh, a lot of the fan base had because the books didn't come out until 96, which was after, a year after I graduated high school, so I would have been in college, you know, at the time, and I just wasn't looking to get into any book series then. Um, I was aware of them, you know, just because the covers were so iconic and everything, and then post-college, I worked at Borders for a little while, and I read most of the first book one day over, like, my lunch break, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to read this series. This is really good, and then I never really got back to it because I was trying to find it, an actual, excuse me, an actual job, you know, some kind of an art-related job, and but so I do hope it comes across because ever since I, I got this job, I mean, I have jumped in with both feet and I just, I just love every, everything about it. I love when it's serious. I love the jokes. I love when people are critical of whatever, because in a lot of other fandoms, as we know, like from Star Wars and stuff, it's like, God forbid you have a differing opinion than somebody else because they will just crucify you. And I'm a huge mm -hmm. Star Wars fan. My mouth shut. But one thing I've noticed about the, the Animorphs fans at least the ones I've interacted with or seen people interacting with it. It's, it's always like, well, people, maybe they don't completely agree with something or somebody will ask a question. And then, you know, like a hundred people will, will comment with like, I don't know, the science behind it or like, here's book in book, you know, seven page 42, they say this and that, but it's never hostile. It's always very, I don't know, polite and, um, welcoming like i never i just never feel like anybody's angry at anybody I, I, there's something weird about this fandom that is so it's so great like i just don't feel like it's toxic like so many other fandoms do and it's and that makes it even easier to be excited about and i don't know if you guys agree with that but it's just i just love it. i i absolutely agree with it if i i'll just get on my soapbox for just a second but sure. i like i think part of the reason that that is so much the case in this fandom versus other fandoms is like as you get through the series the big overarching themes is everybody brings something different to the team that people can latch on to and there's so many instances of just because they're different or this doesn't mean that they're you know worthless or not as good as you and so on and I feel like that message was so internalized within this fandom and it to this day it comes out like I we have a ton of people that we talk to every single day and every single one of them is a delightful wonderful human and like i i just i really feel like if you're really this obsessed with the series you're really into it you just you grew up with those messages and they've just really internalized it and it's so awesome it is like such a breath of fresh air because i know exactly what you're saying about like you know star wars and <laughs> i won't just keep naming names and like trying to blast people but <laughs> Yeah, I I love this fandom. Like just having been in it for for a few years now at least. Um it's they're just such wonderful people. 
I completely agree. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with uh, going after Star Wars stuff because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But, I mean, even actors, I mean, you can't even act and you can't even be in one of their movies anymore without everybody attacking you on social media and just making it just gross, just making it all horrible. You know, like, why would anybody even want to be a part of that, you know, mm-hmm. anymore? Or, you know, contribute anything to it if everybody's just going to turn on you. I just don't. I don't know what there is to be gained by being so hostile and so toxic all the time about that stuff. I mean, the only thing you're going to do is prevent anybody from creating any new content, anybody with a, with a new perspective or a new point of view. It's just, you know, and that, that's my soapbox. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good soapbox. Yeah. Definitely relatable. Soapbox. <laughs> all right. Is that it? Yes. I guess. Um, where can people find you and follow your work? Well, I'm on Twitter, and it's just Chris Grind with no no spaces. And on uh, Instagram, I'm uh, Grindtastic on there. And that's pretty much the only two places I'm at these days. I just don't have time for anything else. Sure. Um, I have been wondering if, that because I not to um, put you on blast here, but I did notice that you joined the Animorphs Facebook group and that you've been tagged. 5,000 times a day. And I'm like, how do you have time for any of this? (laughs) Well, if I got a notification, I'll see what the tag is. And if it's somebody asking a question or, or, you know, then I'll try to answer it. If it's somebody just saying, Hey, I got my book, you know, thank you so much for doing this or just somebody being genuinely nice. Then I'll just, I'll like it or, you know, wish them well, whatever. I don't know. This is basically stuff I've always wanted. You know, I've always wanted to be part of like a, a fandom or have people, you know, the stuff I'm working on have people, you know, to interact with and be engaged with. And so I I basically, it's like, be careful what you wish for kind of a thing. Cause there is a lot of social media and a lot of people, you know, throwing DMS my way and, and uh, tagging me all over the place. But I try to respond to all of it because I've wanted, I've wanted to be a part of this for so long. So I'm trying to not take it for granted, granted, not granted. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I, I'll just pretend to be an ambassador of this fandom and just say we appreciate it. And thank you for taking care of this beloved thing of ours and doing such a great job with it. Well, thank you for everybody welcoming me with open arms, really, because, man, I was a little nervous. I was, I was, I've gone back and forth between being super excited about this book coming out and being terrified. And the closer we got to like October 6th, the, the more both of those emotions were being amplified. So, I mean, I was like, I was hopeful people were going to really like it. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It seems like it's gone well. No, I think you've proven that you you care very deeply about doing your best and doing the series justice. So, like, I think you've earned a lot of people's trust and i don't mean that to like put more pressure on you and be like oh you're gonna mess up later or anything like that but like i think i think you're good is what i'm trying to say well thank you hopefully i I build up enough trust with everybody so when i do biff one really bad people will be like eh it's okay (laughs) we didn't like that one anyway no i know they won't say that but (laughs) (laughs) oh they i can think of four examples right now of things that you can absolutely mess up and people it. We didn't want it anyways. Get rid of it. <laughs> but I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. we will let you get back to your life and your work. And thank you so much for talking to us. This has oh, been yeah. absolutely delightful. 
All right. Well, I hope I've been. I hope I haven't been too boring. I get. I get no, carried away talking awesome. sometimes. So. Yeah, you've been no, so you've awesome been to great. talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Well, you guys have a good night, and uh, maybe we can do you this too. again sometime. We'll do it again for book two. Man, I really hope Chris gets to do book four and make my baby boy. I hope he's like okay. He has got to get to a Marco book because I was not yeah. like I was not trying to fucking talk him up. I'm dead serious. Like his all the jokes and the way that he adds his own voice to this combined mm-hmm. with a Marco book, I think is just going to be like the perfect scenario. Plus, as we've talked about just endlessly, like Marco books are the best books of the series. Like they just always yeah. seem to be written the best. So combine that with improving it with Chris's voice and the fact that they're the best and the fact that I think he's super compatible with Marco. Like, if we do not get a Marco book from Chris, I am, well, probably going to burn shit down. <laughs> we'll commit some sort of arson. I will I will commit a federal crime. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> of some sort. I haven't decided which one yet. I'm still going through You're the right. catalog of federal crimes. <laughs> Weighing our options. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to rush into a crime decision. Well, like, for the Babysitter's Club books, they have four books per artist, and then they switch artists. So I think if they did something similar for Animorphs, they should at least do, like... They have to do the run of all the kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a bummer, though, because then you could have a full run as an artist and never hit a Tobias or Axe book. That's true! Oh, no! Scholastic, why did you switch them? I hate you! <laughs> I don't hate you. I'm just, I, I'm, I hate the decision that you made it's, 20 I, years you, ago. You spoke from a place of emotion. I get it. I didn't mean to. It's okay. And I believe it was probably 24 years ago at this point. I believe okay. they started coming out in 1990. Maybe they made the decision 25 years ago. <sighs> Anyways, yeah. Did you just well actually my estimation of how many years ago these books were? Did I? Because if I did, mark that down. The first time we've ever made good on that promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Well, this has been a weird summary. But basically what I'm saying is that Chris has to hit at least through what am i committing him to i have no sway in this but let me commit him to something it's like four years four more years something like that it's only four more listen it's at worst three and three quarters more years (laughs) so it's practically nothing Yeah, um, it sounds like he's pretty receptive to questions online. So if anyone has any questions that we didn't get to or that you thought of during the episode, you should at him, probably. Unless they're mean questions, in which case, keep it to yourself. In which case, you can at me and I'll answer them. (laughs) Everybody roast Alex. (laughs) No, I don't know. No. No, no. Well, I mean, you can if you want. Sure, at Animorphs Anon. Go ahead. Oh, shit. I'm okay. Well, here's places you can roast me if you'd so desire. You can <laughs> email me personally at anonymousanimorse at gmail.com. You can, as I said, tweet me at Animorse Anon. You can find me on Instagram at Animorse Anonymous, or you can find me on Facebook at Animorse Anonymous or Super Secret Super Awesome subgroup, which is the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorse Anonymous. And you can just uh, roast me wherever on there. It's fine. Uh, you can come to our Discord server and you can try and roast, 
but I wish you wouldn't because that would mean I would actually have to moderate. So um, just just come to the Discord and just like be a nice person would be my preference. Um, if you want info on how to get there, you can add us on any of our socials. And you can also find more episodes of our podcast anywhere where podcasts are. Tell me, since we're talking about comic books, I would like to hear about one more comic book today. And that's yours. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a web comic that I make and draw. It is called Beside You. You can go check that out at bsideyoucomic.com. I also have a Patreon where you can throw a dollar or two at me and you can see early pages and work in progress pages. And you can find that at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. Um, if you'd rather just go read Chris Grind's comics, you should absolutely do that too. Um, and you can find that at major booksellers everywhere. I don't know why I <laughs> added that, but I really want you to go check out Chris Grind's work as well. I really would like that too. And while we're here, I was looking up some of his, his other graphic novels that I would like to read. So let me just go to Google real quick because I found, first of all, he was talking about the camp. Yeah, camp whatever. Yeah, camp whatever. So first of all, Camp whatever. Check that out. This is just going to be graphic novel time where we talk about graphic novels. <laughs> I wanted to read um, Time Shifters because yeah. that looked badass. But then I saw Chicken Hair and it started giving me like major to like, wow, I feel like this is something that like in college I would have just lost my shit over. Mm. It was just like right up the alley of shit that like I was reading at that time. And I'm kind of wondering if I need to get back into that. But no, first, first, it's going to be Time Shifters. So that's the Chris Grind book that I'm reading next. So now I need yours. Which one are you reading next? Um, I will probably also check out Time Shifters as well. I think that's the one that has, like, dinosaurs in it. <gasps> yes. So, yeah. I'm into that. Well, you know we got to, yeah. Yeah. It has a robot <laughs> Abraham Lincoln riding a friendly dinosaur and a sassy oh, yeah, ghost. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's a descriptor yeah. of things that i like i'm pretty sure that's half of them <laughs> that is at least 50 percent. <laughs> that is at least 50 percent of the things that i love and then the other 50 percent's animorphs so basically chris grind is all my media needs in one quick stop <laughs> <laughs> but if you wanted to read like like an older comic book like superboy and talk about it and all that jazz oh super superboy to that you want to read yeah. superboy Superb Boy. You want to read Superb Boy? Oh, well, let me tell you all about SB and his crazy adventures in the islands of Hawaii. So, Superboy, he is a clone. Maybe. I didn't read the first books. So, I think he's a clone of Superman. He's the Man of Steel. You may have heard of him. Kind of a big deal. Uh, you know what? This is going to take too long for me to explain all of Superboy for you. So instead, just go to this other podcast that I'm sometimes on by accident. I stumble in drunk. They let me talk. It's a good time. <laughs> it's called From Cadmus to Crisis. It's, it's a Superboy podcast. Um, so anyways, that's my Cadmus to Crisis tenure. We have, we have done a thing. We've said things. We've heard things. We've, we've learned. learned. We've grown. <laughs> As people, how did that? <laughs> how did that Johnny Karate go? We built oh, something, learned we built something, something. I karate chop something. I have not karate chopped something yet. Okay, let's karate chop the stop button together. All right, sounds good. All right.
Hiya. Hiya. Hiya.